came from sinful desires which war against your soul, lives such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Good morning. Um, I'm really excited about the opportunity that I have this morning to uh, share some thoughts with you. Uh, Many of you probably don't realize, uh, when I moved here in September, I began my position here as a youth minister in this church. Uh, It wasn't actually the first time I had been here or attended this church. Uh, I remember a time about eight years ago sitting in a pew right over here. I think it was about the third one from the back, um, where I actually was sitting about eight years ago. I remember it was about eight years ago because of this banner here. It was hanging up, and I don't, I don't know what it was about this banner that, um, that I remember. It, I think it's actually my, my Uncle Troy's big and beautiful face sticking out of there. Um, but something about that cross just stuck out in my mind. Uh, every time I see it, it takes me back to that time in my life. Um, that was a time in my life where um, it was very different, I guess, is a, an easy way of putting it, <laughs> than my life right now. Um, I was living in Calgary at the time in 2001. I lived here for almost a year. And during that year, I came to church here about, about two times, um, which you might wonder why I was only here twice in a year. <laughs> um, the reason is because I didn't like coming to church. Um, to be honest, I didn't come to church those two times because I wanted to be here, because I wanted to come and worship God. Uh, the few times I came here during that year, I had been offered lunch from one of the members here. Um, I think it was actually Ken and Heather or else my Uncle Troy and Aunt Debbie. Um, anyway, the reason I can't remember is because that was a time I was uh, struggling with drug addiction in my life. Um, and I was, I was living a, a very destructive lifestyle. Um, I was living with three guys at the time who all had a history of uh, gang-related activity. Um, all three had been in and out of jail uh, pretty much their entire lives since they were kids. Um, this is a very different time for me. I have a memory. I remember sitting on a pew over here eight years ago, um, living a life that was killing me, um, being trapped in that life. The reason I'm sharing that with you this morning is because I want to help you to see the contrast of me then and me now. Um, I really hope you can see some difference in me now uh, than me then. The one thing that changed in my life And the the one reason I'm standing up here before you today is a decision to follow the Lord. I hope you can see that. Um, A few years after that time in my life, I had moved out to Regina and um, had been living out there. I cleaned myself up a bit. I met a beautiful girl named Chelsea. And uh, I came home. I I don't remember if it was from work or from school, but I came home one day. I walked in, and uh, Chelsea was over at my house cooking supper for us. Uh, I walked into the kitchen, and I, I remember telling her that I... I just really strongly felt like God was um, was asking me to enter into full-time ministry. He was calling me into ministry and to become a preacher. And you'd think, like Chelsea and I were nearly engaged at the time, so you'd think that, um, like any you know loving girlfriend, she'd share some supportive or encouraging words with me. But uh, as I recall, Chelsea turned to me with laughter, <laughs> um, which seems kind of mean. And it maybe is. (laughs) But to be honest, I I was laughing with her. Um, To see this quiet and shy guy um, with, I had a long, 
like the beard I have now is nothing compared to the beard I had then. Long, unkept beard. It was kind of scraggly. Uh, I had hair down on my shoulders, earrings, dirty clothes. Um, but to see this guy standing before you saying, I think God wants me to be a preacher, would probably put a smile on most people's face. Um, everyone's face but God's. Um, so when I say this morning that I'm excited to be up here, I'm excited to be sharing my thoughts with you. I am, I'm not joking. Uh, I truly am excited to be up here. I hope that um, just through me being up here, through my words, uh, through my actions this morning, that you're able to see a God who is alive in this world, a God who is active, and a God who is full of grace and mercy. I think the fact that I'm even standing up here this morning is uh, it's proof of the gospel message of salvation. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I'm going to be continuing this week uh, in the series we've been moving through. We've been looking at ways that we can reach out into our circles of influence. Uh, and Kelly's been doing a great job of, of doing this for us and just kind of teaching us ways that we can have an impact on those that we come into contact with each day in our communities, our schools. Um, he's, been, he's been showing us that in order to, to effectively reach those in our communities uh, for Jesus, that we, we need to be authentic, uh, we need to be compassionate, um, and we also must be willing and able to love others through sacrifice. And I think in many ways what I've um, prepared to share with you this morning, it encompasses all three of those things. Lifestyle evangelism is a way for us to communicate the message of salvation to those around us through our, our actions opposed to our words. Um, I really, really believe this is by far the most effective way that we can reach the people around us for Jesus. Uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus was about to ascend into heaven um, and he shared this with his disciples. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Um, this, this great commission of Christ to go and make disciples uh, of all nations is something that I, I believe his apostles took very seriously. Uh, in fact, I, I believe they made it their mission in life. I think if you just think about the very few people that Jesus left his message with when he left this earth and the very many people who have now heard this message, um, these, these people didn't take this lightly. They made this their entire mission in life. And I think it's the same for us today. This needs to be our mission in life as Christians is to share this with the world. Um, I think we've sometimes in North America have a, a false perception of uh, just that most of the population here in North America uh, has heard or knows Jesus. Uh, I think that's the farthest thing from the truth. Um, I would probably agree that um, many and probably most of North America has heard about a man named Jesus, uh, but I would argue that uh, very few have actually encountered the true Jesus of Scripture. I believe it's this. I actually think that many have actually um, gained a false perception or um, a false view of who Jesus actually is. And I think this makes uh, this task for us 
a lot more important and even more difficult. Um, the problem isn't, or sorry, the problem I see isn't that we aren't reaching into our circles, circles of influence. I think uh, whether we like it or not, uh, we're continually sharing Jesus with those around us through our actions and the way that we're living our lives. Um, I, I think the problem isn't am I sharing? The, prob- the question you shouldn't ask yourself is am I sharing the gospel? I think the question you should ask yourself is how am I sharing the gospel? I think we often lose sight of the fact we are continually communicating with those around us and those we come in contact with through our actions and the way we live our lives. Our attitude, character, and priorities in life all communicate to others what are important to us. I think our own inability to see this or to remember this is actually what's caused so many to have a skewed picture of who Jesus is. Many of the false perceptions that people have gained are from our own inability to be the light and the salt that Christ called us to be as Christians. Um, there's a guy named Sheldon Van Alken. He wrote a book called Severe Mercy. And in it he said, The best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their completeness. But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. When they are somber, joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug, in complacent consecration, when they are narrow and repressive, then Christian Christianity dies a thousand deaths. I think this is why it's so important for us to continue in this discussion. Uh, of reaching out into our circles of influence uh, and why we need to keep this on the forefront of our minds at all times. Um, Jesus Christ came for the salvation of all men and women and this message needs to be shared with all men and women. I hope you can see uh, this morning that, or, or hear this from me this morning that I'm not up here to scold everyone on how poorly we're doing. Uh, I, I don't think I have the right to scold anyone this morning but myself. Uh, for not doing this. I mentioned earlier I had, or sorry, the year I was living here in Calgary, uh, I was living with three guys. Uh, What I didn't mention is during that year, those uh, three guys I was living with, uh, they viewed me as a Christian. And it definitely had nothing to do with the way I was living my life. Um, I think it was simply because I came to church a couple times, and therefore they labeled me as Christian. Um, I can't help but wonder now, though, um, how the way I lived my life there, or at that time, my actions, my words throughout that year, have now just smeared their their view or their understanding of who Christians are, and more importantly, who Jesus is. Um, I do want to make sure uh, as well uh, that our focus this morning is on, isn't on what we haven't been doing, but on what we can do. Uh, I feel like it'd be completely unproductive for me for me as a Christian, to keep on focusing on all the things uh, that I haven't been able to do or that I've done poorly in the past rather than looking forward to what God can maybe do with me in the future and what I can do in the future. Um, When it comes to living the Christian life and being the church that we need to be, I really believe there's a lot of value in focusing on the possibility for success in the future um, rather than just continually focusing on failures of the past. So I hope we can do that this morning. Uh, There's a phrase that I heard somewhere once. And uh, this, this phrase, it completely changed my life. Uh, it changed my attitude and just the way I was living. Uh, I actually don't remember where it came from or, or who said it when I heard it. Um, but I know it altered my life. You'd think I could remember where it came from. I, I now realize it probably originated, or the principle of it originated with the Apostle John. Uh, but the phrase goes, uh, Your actions, not words, display what you truly believe. Uh, in other words, you can say that you believe something, and you can maybe even, you know, you can maybe even actually 
think or feel like you do believe something, but unless you're living that out in your life, you don't truly believe it. I think it's something for us to think about this morning. Um, the Apostle John also spoke of this principle. Uh, in 1 John 2.4, he said, The man who says, I know him, him being Jesus, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I think one of the most effective ways we can share the gospel with those around us is not by speaking it. Uh, it's not by simply asking our friends to come to church, although I, I do think that's uh, a great thing for us to be doing and is somewhat effective, but I think the most effective way we can, we can share the gospel message with people is by living a Christ-like life. Um, Jesus also spoke to, light, to this uh, idea of a lifestyle evangelism. Uh, we read this uh, passage Sorry, this one here, John 13, 34 to 35, last week. Uh, but let's, I just wanted to hear, or I, sorry, I wanted to let us hear it again this morning. It says, A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And then John 17, 20 to 23, following his prayer, this is following a prayer that he's praying for his disciples. He, he shifts and he prays directly for us said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have loved me, or sorry, that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to, be com- to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Um, Many of you have probably read a book by Joseph Aldrich. Uh, It's called Lifestyle Evangelism. In it he wrote, uh, he wrote about this this subject. He said, Christians are to be good news before they share the good news. Uh, The words of the gospel are to be incarnated before they are verbalized. He also provided this diagram that you see up there um, to just kind of explain what he's meaning by the, the gospel being incarnated in us before it's verbalized uh, and the importance of that. Uh, and what he's comparing actually is the, um, how the Father displayed his glory through Jesus uh, and is now displaying his glory through the church. Um, I think uh, this actually made me wonder of... Um, in, in, in relation to Christ and how he displayed the Father's glory, just how effective Jesus' message would have been if he would have, um, you know, say maybe started to charge just a little bit of money for some for some of his healings or his miracles, um, just to maybe try and cash in a bit, um, you know, just get a few you know, riches and glory or something while he had the chance. If he would have done that, his message wouldn't have uh, matched up with uh, his actions, with the way he's living his life and his message probably would have fallen on deaf ears. Um, I think it's the exact same for us today. I think there's a way in which our responsibility as Christians is to make visible our Father's glory to the world through the way we live. In the same way that God made himself visible to the world through Jesus, we are now to be this light to the world through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I just want to ask everyone, if you have a Bible this morning, to turn to First Timothy. Uh, it's chapter 3, verse 15. And it's, if you have a pew Bible, it's page 840. So 1 Timothy 3, and it's verses 14, 15. This is a letter 
Uh, the book of Timothy is a letter written to Timothy who is, he was working in Ephesus. He's a close friend of Paul's and Paul's writing this important letter to him uh, about how the church should conduct themselves. And uh, I think these, these verses here, 14 and 15, are a purpose statement for this letter. Uh, in it, he's, this is his purpose statement here. It says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. What really stands out to me in this passage uh, are the words pillar and foundation. Um, I think, well, well, these are they're architectural terms used by Paul. And if you just think for a second about the importance of a, a pillar or a foundation to a building, uh, you quickly realize how important Paul is seeing the church is uh, in relation to the truth or to the gospel. Uh, it's almost as though Paul's saying that without the church being the church, or in his own words here, he says, the household for the living God. So without the church being the household for the living God, the, the truth cannot even be heard or understood. <clears throat> so we as the church are the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Joseph Aldrich, he, uh, he also said, the two greatest forces in evangelism are a healthy church and a healthy marriage. The two are interdependent. You can't have one without the other. It is the healthy marriage, however, which is the front line's weapon. The Christian family and a community is the ultimate evangelistic tool, assuming the home circle is an open one which the beauty of the gospel is readily available. The need, the need for Christians to live a Christ-like life uh, is not only important for uh, Christians themselves, uh, I believe it's important for everyone that you're coming into contact with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I also believe it's our action, or our sorry, our actions, our character, and our attitude. Uh, they're not only important for our own well-being, uh, for our own faith, um, but they're vital to our mission that's given to us by Christ to share the gospel with others. Uh, I also think that whether we like it or not, we're continually sharing Jesus with those around us uh, through the way that we're living our life. Uh, We've all heard the phrase, I'm assuming you've all heard the phrase, that actions speak louder than words. Um, Our actions are speaking for us. And sometimes we're telling the truth through our actions. I think other times we're simply telling a lie about who Jesus really is. Um, But I I hope I've I've been able to communicate the importance of lifestyle, this lifestyle type of evangelism to you, um, and just the importance of um, maintaining an awareness and keeping this in the the forefront of our minds as we're in our communities, when we're at work, when we're at school, that people are looking at us and that they're, they're making an assumption or some sort of uh, understanding of who Jesus is and who Christians are by the way that we're living, through the words we're, words we're using, through our attitude, um, just through our character. Um, I just want to share a quick story with you um, to close. It's actually not a quick story. It'll be kind of long, but uh, this is just to close this morning. I want to share this with you. Uh, it's just a way in which I've experienced um, the power of this, this type of sharing Jesus uh, through friendship and just, just through sharing your life with someone. Uh, it was I think summers of 2004 and 2005. Chelsea and I uh, we actually weren't engaged yet. We got engaged on this trip, on our first one. But we spent, uh, we decided to join a mission team and to go to a small country. It's a former Soviet Union country um, called Estonia. And 
Actually, can I just get everyone to raise their hands if you've heard of Estonia before? Nice. Okay. How many of you heard of it through Chelsea and I? No one? Oh, there's one. Okay. Anyway, this is a very small country. Population is, I think, just over a million or a million and a half. So about the population of Calgary is the population of this country. Um, it's a very small country. We went on a team through uh, this organization called Let's Start Talking, um, which sends out uh, hundreds of teams every year. These teams are made up of about four to five people. They go and they meet with people in these local congregations, not, not from the congregations, from communities. Um, and so they each meet, these four or five team members meet with 15 to 20 readers uh, two or three times a week for about six straight weeks. I don't know if you caught all that, but <laughs> um, it's, it's a very busy six-week period. Um, the aim or the, the whole substance to the mission trip is using the book of Luke. It's written in a simple form of English, and the basis is to try and communicate or to... Uh, sorry, help the people practice their English skills by just having conversation. And the Bible actually just provides the subject matter for a conversation. Um, the real aim and the real purpose isn't to just read the Bible with these people or to teach the Bible with these people because, to be honest, quite probably most of them didn't really want to learn the Bible. Um, but the, the real aim and the real purpose is to build friendship, to build relationship, to get to know these people and to help them get to know us. Uh, and through that, to share Jesus with them, it was it was extremely effective and very powerful experience. Um, we would we would not only do this, I guess, through through our sessions. There's an intimacy and one on one conversation. You're doing that two or three times a week for six weeks, uh, which really helped to build relationships. But we also threw parties every every Thursday night. We'd have a party for all of our readers together, and the, the point of that was to just try to help them get to know us. Um, and we'd also just spend time with them on evenings and weekends. Uh, but actually, what I want to what I want to share with you here to, to close um, is a blog that Chelsea wrote this past week. I don't know how many of you realize that Chelsea and I have a blog. Uh, every time we've moved, we've changed the name of it, or I should say, Chelsea's changed the name of it. I'm not clever enough to come up with any sort of name for us. So I think right now it's called Footnotes from the Foothills or something like that. Which Chelsea, or I guess somebody uh, very cleverly responded quickly saying, you know, your blogs are a little bit long to be footnotes. Um, but Chelsea is very clever uh, and responded by, by pointing out that our lives are actually the story and our blogs are the footnotes. So I just have to share that. To, I just wanted to let you all know how clever Chelsea is. <laughs> Suck up a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyway, so I want to share with you, this is a blog that she wrote this past week. I think we have it up there. I don't know if you can read it, but it's called Estonia, My Love. This place, I can't see through my tears, sorry. I had never heard of this place until about six months before I found out I was going there. I signed up to go on a Let's Start Talking mission. About two weeks about two weeks after, I decided to wholeheartedly live my life for God. Like, like some of the best things in life, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. 
I remember dreaming about it, about what it would be like to get off the plane. It was a place that I could hardly imagine, this medieval little country with a history farther back than I can count. Of course, when I dreamed about it, I actually dreamed about Russia, St. Basil's Cathedral to be exact, because it was all I could put in my head for what it might be like. The first summer we went to Estonia, we were in Tallinn. By the time we got there, I had only been a Christian for seven months. I had to prepare devotionals and sing with three other people in the room. Most of the time we sang for fun. My wonderful friend Kelly and I, learning most of the songs for the first time. We laughed so much while we were there. My heart was really bursting. I read through the New Testament for the first time while I was there. In many ways, this was also my first time sharing the good news. It was a sweet time of fellowship between Peter, Reba, Kelly, and myself, with the Hales and Langstons, who were the missionary families, and with local Christians. I removed myself from my own culture and immersed myself in another, with a language I could not speak, grocery stores I could not understand, and truly lovely people whom I have grown to love so much. What a formative time for me. Every day we met with several local people and read the book of Luke with them, one-on-one. To this day, whenever I read through the LST text, I can hear the Estonian accent reading the words. It is pretty much impossible to read it any other way, even though I have read it with Chinese and Korean readers. One of the best things about reading through the Bible with people who have never read it before, or with people who don't believe it, or with people who do believe it, either way you really get to know them. I became so close to so many of my readers learned of their past hurts, learned about what they love, what they think about life, death, George Bush, (laughs) even though you aren't supposed to talk about politics, sometimes they bring it up. We built really meaningful friendships, and I pray that those seeds that were planted will someday grow into a beautiful fruit-bearing tree. The second year we went to Tartu, Estonia, and though it was hard to not spend the summer with the friends that we had made the previous year, we were blessed to make so many new friends in such a quaint, lovely city. This time I had been a Christian for a year and seven months. I think, think about and pray for my friends in Estonia so often. My heart really hurts when I see pictures, hear stories, read blogs, etc. from Estonia. Estonia will always be in my heart. And I, I really pray that I am able to go back there someday soon. Estonia has been on my mind a lot lately. The reason I'm having a hard time is because I agree with almost everything she's saying here. Um, even more so since Lise and Iris' accident. Lise and Iris were two young adults in the church there. They were good friends of Chelsea and mine. They're 19 and 20. Um, Lise, they got in a car accident a couple of weeks ago and Lise, Lise passed away. And Iris is still in hospital and um, still not doing very well. But uh, Today I was editing and preparing... Um, many of my Estonia pictures for print as I'm making an Estonia wall so that every day I can go there, even if just for a minute. Thank you, Estonia, for shaping me. By the way, Calgarians, Friends Speak is coming to our church in the near future. Soon you will have the opportunity to reach out to those in our local community who need help with their English and help from Jesus. I actually didn't purposefully put that in there. She actually wrote that, so it just so happened to be a great advertisement for that. Um, Chelsea did a great job of uh, describing her experience there, how it shaped her. Um, but what I really wanted to, what I want you to hear this morning, and the reason I read this is uh, 
a response to her blog. Um, one of the comments made, within hours of Chelsea putting it online, um, she had her first comment, which just happened to come from one of our Estonian uh, readers the second year, year we were there, and uh, one of our really good friends who we've kept in touch with. Um, in, it was the year 2005 when we were there, and uh, when she first started coming and reading with us, she was going into grade uh, 12. It was, she was going into her last year of high school, and she had no idea who Jesus was. She had, uh, she had a lot of, I guess, hesitancy to, to meet with us and to, to read the Bible, stuff like that. She, was, I don't know, she had, had some sort of experience with, um, with something in the past that had just made her just not really too sure about uh, about us but this is this is a response i just want you to hear if nothing else hear this this morning she said funny it's a little bit broken english (laughs) funny i just looked through my photos of that summer when we met it's amazing to think how god works If he wouldn't have sent you to Estonia a second time, I wouldn't have found Jesus. I would have lived on with the shallow life that I knew before with no hope. Thank you for letting God lead you, and thank you for trusting in him. Marilyn, uh, or it's actually Merlin, so <laughs> you say it, but for our sake it'll be Marilyn. Uh, she's now very actively involved in the church there in Tartu. Um, she's very committed to the Lord today, uh, simply because she met a, a group of crazy Canadians uh, who were living a different type of life and who were experiencing a different type of peace and joy. And she saw that, and she wanted to she wanted to be a part of it. She wanted to have that as well. And it's this type of peace and joy that I hope that we can all hold on to and that we can display to those around us uh, through the Holy Spirit and just share Jesus with others. So, thanks.